Welcome to every one of our perspectives from the top community of listeners around the world to Reflections on the Top. Now, Reflections is to help you get the best from the series by me reviewing the key insights from our latest guest. And that's Robert Lefkowitz, physician, scientist, professor and Nobel Prize winner for chemistry. First of all, listeners, I want to say that what you heard in the interview and will hear in this reflection really only touches on a very, very small part of his amazing life story and achievements. We have just been able to pick up on some of the key insights which he's given us. The totality of his amazing journey of going into medicine to being presented with the Nobel Prize in Stockholm is covered in his book, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Stockholm, which is definitely, in my view, worth reading. Often with guests, we are talking about their job or their role. But with Bob, as we discussed his journey, he described it as a calling, a strong inner feeling that you were destined to do whatever your calling takes you to do. His memory is that this calling started from his time as a child when the family doctor came round, that he saw one person who could do so much good for other people, in some ways even doing mystical things by making people who were ill better. And that truly captured his imagination. Now, this one example says so much about Bob, but also very much about the impact that we all have through the example we give to the people around us, in particular children who see what we as adults do and learn from that. He described his early years as a physician as, even with all the other things that he's achieved in his life, perhaps the most rewarding in his ability to cure people and even save lives. Now, that says a lot about his deep driver to help other people, which has been a thread throughout his life from his days as a young physician, as a leading researcher, as a teacher and mentor, and even as a Nobel Prize winner. He was destined to become a physician, but as we all know from our own experiences, the best laid plans tend to get diverted by real world events. And Bob's diversion by real world events was pretty dramatic. It was the Vietnam War, in which over 58,000 US military personnel were killed and significantly more Vietnamese. As a physician, he could potentially be sent to Vietnam, but he could avoid this by working in the US Public Health Service in the research establishments, such as the Center for Disease Control and the National Institute for Health. He took up a role there and was spending 20% of his time with patients and 80% of his time in research laboratories. Now, this was a really interesting learning moment for him because, as he said, this was the first time in his life he had experienced failure and failure for quite a long time within the research context. Now, with a lot of determination, he eventually started to become successful at research. But by then, his appointment had come to an end and he went back to being a full time clinician. But soon, as he said, even though he was loving being a clinician, he suddenly started realising that he was missing the personal satisfaction of discovering and doing new things through research. This is a great example of what we all experience through our careers, that when we start, we don't really know what we're good at and what motivates us. Discovering that is part of our career and life journey. Lifelong learning as we keep an open mind and try new challenges. But here we have another really powerful point that we've discussed before, listeners. It was then that he got a new mentor who helped him be better at research. So he then started to do more and more research to the degree that he was spending as much time as he physically could in the lab. Now, we all deal 
with an element of both success and failure in what we do, in both our work and our personal lives. And sometimes we find that failure is demotivating and potentially even depressing. We seem to assume that if we're not getting things right all the time, there's something wrong with us. Well, listeners, this, for any of you that have felt like that, is the reality. We need to get real about success and failure and accept that failure will happen. And that when it does, we can both learn from it and realise that failure can reveal opportunities to take other directions which we would never have imagined before. One example of that from other guests is Jack Jarvis, the young Royal Engineer Commando who was absolutely devastated when he failed to be selected for Special Forces. But he now realises that that failure has enabled him to do things he would never have done, such as row the Atlantic solo and doing ultramarathons, as well as inspiring people with his stories around the world. But for those like Bob who are in research, the level of failure they experience would shock us all. Now, in general, most of you listening who aren't in the research world will work on the basis that Hopefully, the vast majority of things that you do will be successful. But as Bob said in research, the reality is that the majority of things will fail. And people who enter this world need to recognize that this is the challenge they face. And they need to think that all of those failures are part of the ongoing journey to new discoveries. Thomas Edison's great point quoted by Bob was that every failure narrows down your options and gets you closer to success. Now, that positive framing of failure, he said, was absolutely critical for someone to be a great researcher. But I think it also provides lessons for us all in terms of how we deal with the failures that we experience, even though for most of us, they might be a significantly smaller percentage of what we do. There was also his really powerful point that if you're not getting the occasional failure, then you can't really be pushing the boundaries on what you're doing. You must just be coasting, doing just what you've always done. And that's not going to enable you to grow, to develop and to get better in achieving what you want to do. There's also his great point about the importance of mentors. In really any environment, giving those who are new to that environment an honest reality check of how things will go in terms of success and failure. But then we moved into talking about humour and how that plays a role in leadership and keeping people motivated when perhaps they have experienced failures. Bob's really interesting point that, to be honest, I'd never thought about before, is that humour involves a moment of discovery, a realisation where that humour becomes apparent and that that is in fact an act of creativity, linking two things together to create humour. And that's essentially what research is about, looking at the relationships between different things. But that's not exclusive to research, in my view. You know, analysis of the relationship between different things and how they interact is at the heart of all business and leadership. For example, our understanding of how people might react to the different ways we might interact with them as a leader. It's the interaction of two things. You know, during our growth and development as people and leaders, we are effectively engaged in a research experiment investigating the interaction of ourselves, other people and the wider world. So in that sense, we are all researchers in the world of leadership and life as we go through our careers. 
The element of humour then led on to talking about the importance of being open, honest and authentic. And Bob said that those are elements in which are the most important to him as core values as a person and which he respects in others. In terms of what his work focuses on, he then gave us a great simple explanation of that. It's simply that all the cells in our body respond when they are sent signals by chemicals which our body produces, e.g. adrenaline, and that the signals are received by receptors on the cell. And unless the chemicals match to the receptors, the signals won't transmit. So, for example, painkillers will act to stop cells transmitting pain. But the problem was that people didn't really know how these receptors worked and therefore how to use them to enable drugs to be effective. Bob discovered the answer. So now 30 to 50 percent of all the prescription drugs which you and I now use are made effective or more effective by Bob's discoveries. That is a mind-blowing achievement which has had benefits for all of humanity. And as a result of all this work, early on the 10th of October 2012, he received a telephone call from Stockholm informing him that he had won the Nobel Prize for Chemistry. Now, that wasn't the one that he was perhaps expecting to win at some point, but it was an acknowledgement of all the work that he had put into this critical area of science. Not only had he won the prize... But he was also sharing it with a former young researcher he had mentored, Brian Kublika. That, perhaps, is one of the greatest compliments to your mentoring that you could ever get, that somebody you mentored went on to win the Nobel Prize. As we discuss the amazing time which he had in Stockholm during the Nobel Prize week and the joy of meeting all the other Nobel Prize winners from a vast variety of backgrounds was surreal. And the fact that Alfred Nobel, the founder of the prize, expressed the wish that winners of this prize would be those who had made the greatest contribution to humanity in that area of expertise for that year. Bob's role as a mentor is also staggering in both the number of years that he's been doing it and the literally thousands of research scientists he has mentored. His insights were really valuable and confirm absolutely much of my experience as a mentor over many years and that of many of our guests that you may have heard who've done the same. The importance of your mentoring to be tailored to the individual needs of the person you're working with, their level of confidence, self-awareness, ability to get on with other people, their best learning style. So do they learn best through doing or reading or having things explained to them? Where their personal challenges lay, their approach to both success and failure, as we've discovered earlier. All of these things you need to tailor to. Bob's objective as a mentor is to grow their confidence and expertise, to give them the capability to take on greater challenges as they move on in their career. The confidence element being crucial, Bob said, because if they don't have the confidence because you have not empowered them to grow and develop, then they won't be sure that their success has been delivered by themselves or by you. And that's a problem. But this is the fundamental point that I have to really get into mentors' heads when I'm training them. You, as a mentor, are helping the person you are mentoring find their own answers to their own problems. That's what truly empowers them. It's not about you giving them your answers to their problems. Now, 
even if you know what the answer to their problems might be from your experience, the successful mentor will ask relevant questions to help their mentee move towards answering that problem themselves where at all possible. But this is the fundamental principles that tailoring your action to the individual, empowering the individual, is exactly the same within the context of being a leader with your team members. In both the role of the leader and of the mentor, you are focused on enabling that individual to become the best they can be. That's not only great for them, but it's great for you. It's great for the team. And as Bob said, in relation to many of the people he's mentored, it leaves a legacy for you, which then goes on growing as those you have mentored go on to mentor others themselves. Bob's expression of his joy at seeing those he had mentored go on to have careers of great acclaim, absolutely epitomised by the fact he shared his Nobel Prize with somebody he'd mentored before. Finally, I suppose, listeners, just the sheer longevity and passion which Bob has is inspiring. That he's approaching his 80th birthday, still in full-time researching, in his laboratory moving things forward, still mentoring trainees and still enjoying life. I think that's an example to us all, even even excluding his contribution to humanity through his discoveries. The lesson perhaps for all of us from Bob is no matter what you do, if you have passion for it, if you believe in it, if it adds value to others, if you do it well, if you can face the challenges, if you can take the failure as much as success, if you can be authentic and if you can work in partnership with others, you will flourish and you will leave a legacy. That is perhaps the question that I would pose to all of you out there, listeners, to reflect on what you're doing now and what you want to do in the future. And how does that align to that example of success that Bob has given us all? Are you passionate about what you do? Do you believe? Are you authentic and working in partnership? As you move potentially from role to role over your career, what is the legacy you leave with each of the organisations you've worked in? And what is the legacy you will leave with the people with whom you have worked? Now, that latter one, We all need to think about more often to ensure that the legacy we do leave in the hearts and minds of those we have worked with is a positive one of being a good role model and a good human being. Bob is undoubtedly an example to us of both. If you want to dive into more of Bob's amazing career and achievements, as I said at the start, and we've hardly touched the surface in our interview and this reflection, check out his book, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Stockholm. It's interesting, funny, and above all, will make you think what work, learning, and life is all about, which is good for us all to do now and again. As with previous guests and now, Bob, hopefully you're seeing this pattern of simple actions you can take to be more successful. Share these interviews with colleagues who you think would benefit so they can grow and develop with you. Certainly, if you're a mentor, maybe share these with your mentees. And I'll be using these powerful points in my speaking and masterclasses in the future. If you have any thoughts or questions, get in touch, connect with me on LinkedIn, and don't forget to sign up for Perspectives from the Top so you don't miss any of the great episodes in the future. But that's it for now after Bob's amazing example. So from me and him, it's onwards and upwards until our next episode, listeners.